great pleasure to welcome this afternoon Professor James McGuire. Uh, Jim is a professor of government and chair of the Department of Government at Wesley University in Connecticut in the United States. Uh, he holds a, a PhD in political science from the University of California, Berkeley, uh, and is the author of many works, but particularly two uh, monographs. One, uh, Peronism Without Peron, uh, Union Politics and Democracy in Argentina in uh, 1997, I believe. And uh, second, and more broadly, comparative work on wealth, health, and democracy in East Asia and Latin America in 2010. Uh, and this afternoon, he's presenting a paper he's written on politics, gender, and health, uh, looking at the variation across Argentina's 24 provinces. So Jim, and I should say, uh, for some of us in the room, Peter Kingston and myself, uh, Jim is not only a valued colleague, but an old friend. Uh, so it's a great pleasure to have you here. In, well, thank you, Kevin, and uh, thanks for thanks for coming. Uh, first, I'd like to thank uh, Kevin and Susan Murray and King's College, uh, as well as University College London and the Center for the uh, Americas, uh, for inviting me um, to this uh, venue. And um, so, my talk today uh, <coughs> is going to be about. Um, whether having more women in uh, provincial legislature, legislatures in Argentina is conducive to better health outcomes of various types. And uh, to identify causes of variation in population health outcomes, I think is a, a worthy aim because living a healthy life is important for any other goals we might hope to achieve. Also, poor health outcomes are associated with other kinds of deprivations. Um, so I think it's well worth exploring why health outcomes are better or whether they improve more in some places rather than others and at certain times rather than others. Uh, <clears throat> let's see, We're, I'm not sure how to do this here. So uh, my study explores whether the legislative representation of women is associated across the 24 provinces of Argentina, observed annually from 1984 to 2012, with greater public health care effort and improved health outcomes in the form of a greater share for health care and provincial public spending, a higher proportion of births in medical facilities, and lower infant mortality and maternal mortality. And to explore this question, I use time series cross-sectional multiple regression uh, with 696 province years as the units of analysis. Uh, I, I find that women's legislative representation in a certain year is associated in the subsequent year with a higher share of births in medical facilities as well as with lower infant and maternal mortality, especially as the share of legislative seats held by women exceeds a critical mass of 15 or 30 percent. Uh, the association is strongest, I find, when the women's legislative representation variable is lagged either zero or one year behind the health outcome variable, rather than two three or five years 
behind the health outcome variable, which is a, a finding that to me is perplexing because I think a year is not long enough uh, for legislation to have served as the causal mechanism linking women's legislative representation to health outcomes. More consistent with the finding about lag length is an explanation highlighting the symbolic or signaling effect of women's legislative representation. And in, in that type of an explanation, a rise in the share of legislative seats held by women, or the, even the anticipation of such a rise, such as if a province passes a gender quota, uh, you know, stipulating that women have to occupy a certain proportion of seats on the lists of candidates for the national, or the, sorry, the, the provincial legislature, um, <clears throat> sort of sends a signal to, uh, to all politicians, male and female alike, uh, as well as to the public, that issues hitherto viewed of being as of particular concern to women, including maternal and infant health care and nutrition, should be given a higher priority, whether through uh, better allocation of whatever level of health care spending that there is, or uh, the more effective utilization of spending on health care and other sort of mortality reducing social services like you know, education, family planning, provision of safe water and sanitation. Um, the Argentine provinces provide, I think, a particularly fruitful context in which to explore the association between women's legislative representation and health outcomes. Uh, this is true for a number of reasons. In Argentina, provincial governments administer most services that affect healthcare utilization and population health status, such as the ones that I just mentioned. Uh, in addition, from 1992 to 2011, each of Argentina's 24 provinces, at conveniently staggered points in time, adopted a gender quota for its provincial unicameral or lower house uh, legislature. And that's what my study is, is confined to. I think five of the uh, provincial, no, eight of the provincial legislatures have, uh, are bicameral, have two houses, but my study is confined to the uh, uh, 16 unicameral legislatures and the eight lower houses of the ones with bicameral legislatures. Um, this overtime variation, so where the, you have the red bar, that's, that's the year in which the gender quota is passed and the little squiggly line is the proportion of uh, legislative seats held by women. Uh, so the fact that the gender quotas were passed in different years is one source of variation in the amount of legislative seats held by women. And there's a bunch of other sources. I don't know if you can really read this, but uh, you know, the, basically this is just to uh, imply that the, uh, the Argentine provincial legislatures have very different electoral systems and the gender quotas are of different sizes, ranging from 0 to 25 to uh, 30 to 33 to 50%. So, you know, there's a lot of different reasons why, you know, translating 
uh, there's a lot of different, the, the gender quotas translate into different effects on the uh, proportion of legislative seats held by women because of these other variables as, as well. Let me see if I can go back here. Um, also, compared to other Latin American countries, Argentina has fairly good data on uh, the variables that I'm interested in, uh, the provincial healthcare budget share, pr proportion of births in medical facilities, which is actually, I operationalize as one minus the uh, proportion of births in private homes. Uh, that's data that are recorded in an annual government publication. Uh, and also, Argentina has pretty good data on uh, the infant mortality rate and the maternal mortality ratio. This is a sub-national analysis rather than a cross-national analysis. Oops, let's see. And um, I think sub-national comparisons, like the one I'm reporting here, have both disadvantages and advantages relative to cross-national comparisons. Uh, some of the disadvantages, I'm afraid, are that geographically adjacent or proximate uh, subnational units like provinces often share intermingled histories, populations, and policy legacies, violating the expectation that the units of analysis will be independent. Also, subnational units like provinces are constrained by national levels, histories, laws, institutions, and policies, possibly to the extent that it becomes hard to consider them autonomous entities. Also, peripheral subnational units sometimes differ sufficiently from uh, core subnational units as to undermine assumptions needed for causal inference such as unit homogeneity and the randomness of missing data. On the other hand, each of these advantages or uh, disadvantages also afflicts, to some extent, cross-national analyses. Uh, and on the plus side, provinces are generally more homogeneous than countries in culture and history, uh, which ameliorates, although it doesn't eliminate, the problem of omitted variable bias. Also, provinces are more homogeneous than countries in measuring things like economic affluence, public spending on health care, the provision and utilization of basic health services, and infant and child mortality, such that the problem of measurement error is also uh, reduced. In each type of comparison, it should be recognized that we're working with observational data, it's not easy to vary experimentally women's share of legislative seats or the level of overall affluence in a uh, particular province. But as a former US Defense Secretary might have put it, observational research must work with the units of analysis at hand, not with the units that the observer might wish were at hand. I'm not the only one who has studied these sorts of issues. Actually, uh, the association between women's legislative uh, representation and health outcomes is of long-standing interest in economics, uh, political science, and public health. As the citations on this side, slide show, uh, those associations have been the subject of extensive research 
both cross-nationally and sub-nationally, especially in the United States, across the states of the US, and across the states of India. <coughs> this previous research leads me to expect a positive association between women's share of legislative seats and provincial public health care spending, a positive association between women's share of legislative seats and the proportion of births in medical facilities, and a negative association between the women's share of legislative seats and the uh, infant mortality rate and maternal mortality ratio. So I use four uh, outcome variables, dependent variables. The ones I just mentioned, one pertains to healthcare spending, one pertains to the utilization of basic health services, one pertains uh, to health, or two, the other last two pertain to health status. Uh, the main independent variable of interest is the share of unicameral or lower house provincial legislative seats held by women, but in other models, I substitute for that percentage uh, a zero-one dummy variable for whether that share exceeded 15% or 30% respectively. And this is to explore uh, the critical mass hypothesis, which holds that women cannot or do not advance their substantive interest within institutions until their numbers are large enough for effective collective action. In yet another set of models, I instrument for women's share of deputy seats with three alternative variables, the presence of a gender quota, the size of the gender quota, and whether the gender quota is accompanied by a placement mandate. Um, <clears throat> Argentina in 1991 passed a gender quota law for its national legislature. It was the natural lower house, the chamber of deputies, it was the first country in the world, actually, to pass a legislated gender quota applying to all political parties, although some countries had, like, reserved seats for women, and uh, many countries, Sweden, I think, was the first, had, within political parties, have sort of gender quotas. Um, Argentina has um, proportional representation, multi-member districts. There's 24 provinces. So initially, uh, what happened is they said, at the national level, Carlos Menem, uh, the Congress under Carlos Menem passed a law that said uh, the judiciary will not approve a list of candidates that has less than 30% of the candidate slots allocated uh, to women. Um, so the political party leaders, mostly male, proceeded to stick all the women at the bottom of the list where there's no way that they would ever be elected. So two years later, uh, Menem issued an executive decree uh, whereby uh, said, uh, eh, not, not so fast there, uh, we're going we're gonna to stipulate here that uh, every third slot on the list has to be uh, uh, allocated to a, a woman. So uh, that's what a placement mandate is all about. It means that basically the male party leaders can't put all the women at the bottom of the list. What is an instrument, you may ask? Well, it's a way of isolating the uh, effect of uh, the independent variable, uh, trying to free it from the possible effect of selection bias and other things that might be influencing the dependent variable that 
operate through the independent variable. Uh, an instrument is supposed to be more exogenous than the variable it instruments for, which means less affected by the outcome variable or by other omitted variables. At the same time, the instrument is supposed to be closely associated with the original variable of interest and also associated with the outcome variable, in this case some kind of health outcome, only through its effect on the variable being instrumented for, in this case, women's share of legislative seats. Now, I doubt that any of the uh, three instruments that I chose here are completely exogenous. Also, I imagine that they might have associations with the outcome variables that are not mediated by the original variable of interest. For example, gender quotas can have symbolic and signaling effects uh, that influence health outcomes as well as increasing the share of legislative seats held by women. Nevertheless, I think that the instruments that I've chosen here are less likely than women's share of legislative seats itself to be affected by previous health outcomes and associated factors uh, or by characteristics of the electorates that elected the women into office. In each model, I include several control variables. One is a lagged dependent variable, and by including that on the right-hand side of the model, uh, essentially I am uh, converting the model into uh, something where the independent variables, the level of the independent variables predicts the year-to-year -year change in the dependent variable instead of the level of the dependent variable. So what I'm predicting here is year-to-year -year change. Uh, also, I include fixed province effects by means of including a 0-1 dummy variable uh, to, uh, you know, for each province. And this is to control for omitted variable bias, uh, omitted variables caused by you know, uh, basically consistent cross-provincial cross differences. So each province has sort of different characteristics. I'm trying to control in one fell swoop for these cross-provincial differences. I also include a time trend to control for national policies and for international uh, economic, technological, and normative changes that affect all provinces. Uh, I include a, uh, a measure of provincial affluence, provincial economic affluence, which is per capita residential electricity consumption because affluence affects health status, obviously, and also, in fact, affects healthcare utilization and even uh, public healthcare spending. People seem to have a, you know, an infinite demand for healthcare, so as uh, the country gets more affluent, um, the healthcare share of GDP or public spending tends to rise, not just the absolute level, but actually the percentage of spending or GDP devoted to healthcare also rises uh, with affluence. And finally, in the, at least in the models predicting spending, uh, I control for the percentage of the population age 65 or older, and that's because, you know, those uh, 
that's going to be associated if you have like a lot of elderly people in your province, uh, you know, you're going to have to spend more on, on health care. Uh, let's see, where, where are we? Okay, this is a, kind of another way of representing the, the same thing that was on the previous side. This is a, uh, a hexagon, I guess I could call it a hexagon and arrows chart. And uh, basically my, uh, <coughs> what I tested for was the thick black lines, like this one here. Uh, so I'm basically looking at, uh, you know, the proportion of legislative seats held by women, whether it affects the budget share for health care, uh, the uh, you know, births in health facilities, uh, infant and maternal mortality. Um, this is the instruments up here, and the thin uh, solid lines represent you know, the instruments that I tested for. The dotted lines here represent things that you know, influences or um, you know, causal uh, processes that I'm pretty sure do exist, but I didn't have the data to test for. The almost invisible thin gray lines leaning, leaning from the polygons in the upper right-hand corner into the various dependent variables. Those are just the control variables. And these bluish solid lines at the bottom uh, represent what I think might actually be going on. In other words, not this, but something more like, more like that. Um, okay. Uh, the influence of women's legislative representation on health outcomes appears to be strongest, I'm going to show you, with a, only a one-year lag rather than a longer lag, which I think suggests that symbolic and signaling effects, which have the potential to work quickly, rather than the legislative process, which tends to work slowly, are actually the main causal processes linking women's legislative representation to better health outcomes. Uh, turning to the data, uh, it proved surprisingly difficult to figure out in each province in each year, how many lower house or unicameral legislative seats were held by women. There's 24 provinces, 29 years, 1984 to 2012 uh, inclusive. Uh, I did a fairly exhaustive and exhausting review, which turned up 29 secondary sources that had data for at least one year uh, for all of the Argentine provinces on what percentage of legislative seats were held by women. But uh, cross-checking these sources, I, I found the data to be sparse, inconsistent across sources, and very opaque in derivation, like the secondary sources didn't say where their numbers came from. So I had to go back to primary sources, things like what in the United States would be the you know, equivalent of a uh, congressional record called Diarios de Sesiones, um, some documents produced by political parties, occasionally, you know, monographs on particular uh, provinces, often written by like master's degree or PhD students in provincial universities. And by spending like almost an entire summer going through these sources, I managed to 
produce a database that had about five times as many observations that were, as were previously available. Uh, I assigned the observations more systematically to particular years because, you know, it's, you got to like look at the month when the legislative session begins, the months when it ends, make sure they're all in the same year. This is, you know, kind of nitty-gritty stuff that the secondary sources either didn't do or didn't sort of show that they did. And uh, I also managed, in accordance with the DART initiative, that's data access and research transparency, to document explicitly the source of each of my observations. So the result is a new database that lives on my website, which is publicly available to anyone in the world, that can be corrected and expanded as new information emerges. So remember, there's 696 potential province years to get filled in with a proportion of women, uh, proportion of legislative seats held by women. And uh, I managed to fill in 393 of the 696 cells uh, using the primary sources I just mentioned. I used uh, 104 of the cells I filled in by existing secondary sources, which, as I said, are sometimes dubious, but probably better than nothing. Uh, and 149 of the cells I managed to fill in based on tested and confirmed assumptions about the continuity of legislator service from one year to the next. The legislative term is four years, so if I could fill in like two of the years, I just assumed that the proportion was the same in the, the third and fourth year, because actually I used the primary sources to test that assumption and found that, you know, like occasionally, people resign from the legislature or they get kicked out because they committed some kind of crime or uh, they die, you know, there's various ways where people can leave in the middle of the term. It just happens pr pretty rarely and when it does happen, in almost every case, they're replaced by a legislator of the same gender. So I found, like, I think only six cases in which uh, the proportion of women in a provincial legislator changed by like 5% or more within a four-year term. So I think the uh, assumption was justified. Another data problem I faced was finding a usable measure of provincial affluence. You know, you would expect to use something like gross provincial product per capita, analogous to gross domestic product per capita. In fact, several estimates of gross provincial product per capita are available in Argentina by province, you know, for the period from 1984 onward, but none of those sources persists for more than 22 of the 29 years from 1984 to 2012. Moreover, like gross domestic product, gross provincial product is a measure of provincial economic output, not a measure of provincial affluence, which is the thing I think is related to the health status. And in Argentina, five of the country's 24 provinces are big producers of hydrocarbons, oil and natural gas and, and coal, uh, and that tends to jack up the gross provincial product without improving the level of affluence that the ordinary person experiences. So instead of like trying to utilize these output-based figures, I chose to proxy the overall level of affluence, economic affluence in a province by means of this residential electricity consumption 
per capita variable, which was available uh, for every province in an identically measured way in each of the 29 years, and is also less distorted by hydrocarbons production. To analyze the data, I used pooled ordinary least squares with panel-corrected standard errors. Uh, again, the lag-dependent variable means that what I'm measuring is the effect of the level of the independent variable of interest in a given year on year-to-year -year changes in the health outcome variable. The inclusion of province fixed effects means, again, that I'm using information only about the changes over time within provinces. I'm not using information derived from uh, cross-provincial differences in a given year. The inclusion of the time trend is to control, as I mentioned, for the effects of national level policies for international economic technical and normative changes that affect all provinces. And I use these panel-corrected standard errors because some diagnostic tests revealed that the error term in these models is badly behaved in ways that are pretty typical of these types of analyses. Uh, I'm not going to beat this to death, but uh, I checked the findings for robustness in a number of ways. In addition to instrumenting for the independent variable of interest by substituting either the presence of the gender quota, the size of the gender quota, the association of the gender quota with a placement mandate, um, I checked the findings for robustness by means of these various ways listed on this slide. Actually, this last check, as I mentioned, is of particular substantive interest because Lagging the independent variable, different numbers of years behind the dependent variable, helps to illuminate the likely causal mechanisms that link women's legislative representation to health outcomes. So these are the findings. Um, I found uh, one finding to be quite unexpected. Women's share of provincial deputy seats turn out to be associated uh, in several models significantly actually with a smaller share of the provincial budget allocated to healthcare. The other findings were each in the expected direction. Women's share of provincial deputy seats was associated significantly in many models with a higher share of births in medical facilities, lower infant mortality, and lower maternal mortality. I think the associations are, uh, it's remarkable that I got any significant associations because the causal chain running from female legislative representation to health outcomes is uh, very long and complex. Uh, also, uh, I use pretty conservative statistical techniques, including the lag-dependent variable, the province dummies, the time, and the time trend, so those things soak up a lot of the variance in the dependent variable before you even get to the control variables or the variable of interest. Also, when you use instruments, they, their statistical association with outcomes tends to be less uh, strong than the variables they instrument for. And also, some of my variables had, uh, I think, considerable measurement error. I'm a little dubious about the provincial public spending figures. I, tried a couple of different sources and they 
didn't, uh, you know, they, they differed, uh, the two sources that I use. There's different opinions as to exactly what share of provincial, the provincial budget went toward healthcare in a given province in a given year. Uh, also, the, um, the proportion of births in medical facilities in the year 2000 exceeded 97% in 20 of the 24 provinces, and in no province uh, was it below 92%. So there wasn't much room for that particular health outcome to vary. So, you know, if you don't get much action in the dependent variable, it's kind of amazing that you find any kind of significant uh, statistical association at all. So this is sort of a uh, verbal rendition of what I found. This is uh, an invisible quantitative representation. Now it's the same findings represented numerically. Don't try to read this. You'll have to use your great national health service to get your eyes fixed. Uh, but basically what you can see from this slide is I ran 24 regressions, six for each of the four dependent variables of you know, spending, births in medical facilities, infant mortality, maternal mortality. Uh, in each case, the first one is the primary variable of interest, the women's share of legislative seats. The next two are the critical mass variables. The next three are the, uh, the instruments. And uh, here's a slightly larger version. Here are all the findings that were significant at the 0.13 level uh, or better. 11 of the models were significant at that level. Seven were significant at the 0.10 level or better, and five at the 0.05 uh, level or better. Uh, this slide also shows the marginal effects. How much bang for the buck do you get from a, either a change from zero to one, uh, if the variable is just a sort of a nominal variable, or the change in the dependent variable that you get when you go from two standards uh, two standard deviations below the mean to two standard deviations above the mean if the variable is measured uh, continuously or at least uh, numerically. Um, you'll see that the strongest findings were, if you look at the, the right-hand column next to Kevin's nose there, uh, the strongest effects were for the maternal mortality ratio and I'm not really surprised that the effects are stronger for maternal mortality than for infant mortality. It's actually more difficult to measure maternal mortality than infant mortality because maternal mortality requires information on the cause of death. Uh, if, you know, a week after a mother gives birth, she and her child die in a car accident, that's infant mortality, but it's not maternal mortality because it's not a maternally related cause. So, you know, the information requirements to measure maternal mortality accurately is, are, are much higher, so there tends to be more measurement error in that variable. Uh, also, I had to use like a three-year moving average uh, of maternal mortality because fortunately maternal mortality is quite a rare phenomenon. In 2012, I think there were like 275 maternal deaths in Argentina, and there were some smallish provinces that had zero maternal deaths. So, you know, you're going to get a very jumpy series unless you use some kind of a 
a moving average. So, you know, that would tend to make you tend to think, hey, you can measure infant mortality more accurately, infant mortality, you know, the denominator of the infant mortality rate is a 1,000 live births. The denominator of the maternal mortality rate is 100,000 live births. So, you know, maternal mortality is much rarer than infant mortality. So, you know, you actually expect, from that point of view, the association to be stronger with infant mortality. But weighing on the other side is the fact that um, emergency obstetric care is absolutely crucial to reducing the maternal mortality rate, uh, whereas the infant mortality rate is influenced by a huge range of factors, including maternal nutrition and uh, you know, education and water and sanitation, all kinds of stuff affect infant mortality. So any association with a particular independent variable for infant mortality is likely to be weaker because so many things, so many different types of causal processes affect the infant mortality rate, many more than really affect uh, the maternal mortality rate. The weakest effects were for uh, the weakest marginal effects, substantive effects, how much bang for the buck you get, uh, were for the share of births in medical facilities, which are, I think is understandable given the lack of action in this outcome uh, variable. Another important finding has to do with the lag length experiments. In the baseline regressions, I lagged the independent variable one year behind the dependent variable. Uh, in the robustness checks, I tried alternative lags, zero years, two years, three years, and five years, and found that lengthening the lag greatly reduced the number of models among these 11 uh, in which the independent variable was significant at the 0.13 level or better. And the attenuation of the statistical association between women's share of legislative seats and the health outcomes as the lag length increased suggested to me that legislation is, cannot be the main mechanism by which the women's share of legislative seats affects the health outcomes because it takes more than a year for a new law to affect uh, even the provision and utilization of health services, uh, much less the infant mortality or maternal mortality rate. The main conclusion is that, at least in the context of Argentine provincial legislatures from 1984 to 2012, the association between women's share of legislative seats and health outcomes is surprisingly strong. In the case of the healthcare budget share, however, it's strong in the unexpected direction, which is perplexing. I'm not sure how to explain it. Perhaps women legislators are less concerned with the level of healthcare spending than with its allocation. Perhaps they're concerned with other things that eat up the budget share, such that the healthcare budget share indirectly gets shrunk. Uh, a second important conclusion is that the critical mass uh, indicators and the um, placement mandates really do seem to matter uh, for the associations between women's share of legislative, of legislative seats and the health outcomes. Um, and in terms of the 
causal mechanisms that uh, might be linking the independent and dependent variables. As I've already mentioned, it seems like uh, the lag of one year, which is the one with the most significant findings, is simply too short for legislation to have served as the main uh, transmission belt. Um, what I think is that male and female legislators alike, and this is really the whole analysis amounts to mostly a hypothesis generating exercise uh, rather than a hypothesis testing exercise, uh, male and female legislators alike <coughs> interpret the introduction of gender quotas as a signal that the electorate is becoming more concerned with so-called women's issues, including things like maternal and infant health care. According to this hypothesis, a rise in the share of legislative seats held by women, or even the anticipation of such a rise, such as after a gender quota law is passed, sends a signal to all politicians, as well as to the public, that issues previously viewed as being of particular concern to women, including maternal and infant health care and nutrition, should be given a higher priority, possibly through the reallocation of whatever level of health care expenditure exists, possibly through improved administration. I think to unravel and expose the mechanisms by which women's legislative representation affects health outcomes, uh, drawing, I think, uh, now primarily on qualitative research, interviews, uh, process tracing, uh, things like that, uh, should be a priority for future research. And that's all I got uh, for the time being, and I'm happy to take your questions. <laughs>